different questions that open up different parts of people. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, entertainment, content creation, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, usually with my co-host, Tom Richardson, but today I'm again being joined by Mike Schredder, one of the able-bodied students and good citizens of Ridgewood, New Jersey, who is in our program. So, uh, Mike, uh, welcome back. Uh, I, I love uh, your enthusiasm for our podcast your uh, your input obviously you've been producing a lot of them and every once in a while when tom's out of town you get to host now so uh, welcome back thank you professor i appreciate that and you know obviously it's it's really fun to be able to host these and hear the great stories of the students on in this program because everyone has a really unique story how they got here and what they're going to plan to do for their career so really excited to be back on and help you out you know interviewing our guests cool so speaking of uh unique paths to our program. We are going to talk a little bit about the media side and the content side, and we don't usually allow this, but we're going to kind of let it go. So we're actually going to let an NYU grad join us today. Um, he was smart enough to make the venture uptown, just kind of like Alexander Hamilton did actually in the uh, the late uh, 1700s, going from, you know, the lower, you know, where, where Columbia University was actually founded as King's College and found his way uptown eventually. So Christian Mullings, you actually made the same journey, and a smart one probably, that, that Aham would have probably appreciated. Uh, so welcome to the Cusp Show. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm honored to be here, and you know I'm excited to see part of this journey. Fun fact, actually, I did an ancestry, and a distant, distant, distant relative of mine is actually uh, Alexander Hamilton. So Of course. Well, you know what? I knew that. That's why I wanted to bring that. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here this morning with you guys. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Alexander, before he um, ventured across the Hudson River to get uh, shot by Aaron Burr, uh, was just thinking about this exact moment right now where I hope that, uh, you know, Christian Mullings, one of my 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 future um, relatives is doing something called a podcast uh, as he <laughs> as he made the same j uh, journey from, you know, from uh, Washington Square all the way uptown. It wasn't Washington Square then. And obviously Columbia wasn't Columbia then, but. All right, enough. So we are here um, on the first Friday of November. Um, going on as we speak is the NBA in-season tournament, but College Hoops is about to, to tip off. Um, a lot of talk around NIL, content creation, building your own brand. Uh, and Christian, you know, you're now in, in the program at Columbia. Why don't you kind of give us a background of your career journey, which has really been around, you know, media content, production, creation, um, all things in that area, you know, that you've had kind of a firsthand look on and, and would love your take on everything. For sure. Absolutely. So I guess just going back in time, my first, I guess, interest in sports media came when I was a little kid. I would watch SportsCenter every single morning right before school. And, you know, ever since I've, you know, kind of enamored myself and been infatuated with that, I've just have never been able to get enough of it. So growing up, I always knew that I wanted to be in the media field in some capacity. And, you know, going on through college, I went to NYU, like you had mentioned earlier, I had done some projects more so on the marketing side, I had the opportunity to work with awesome companies like the Special Olympics, Octagon, Nike, Fox Sports, and they were all more towards marketing. I know Fox Sports was more on the broadcasting side, but I feel like I wasn't really able to, you know, kind of get my foot in the door of media. So uh, after I graduated, it just so happened that the cards aligned where a friend of a friend 
uh, is hosting an NBA show. And, you know, I kind of got to know her a little bit. And then she asked me to write and, you know, produce all the segments for her show. So I've been doing that ever since I graduated. It's been about six months now. And, you know, the show's been going really well. I've had the opportunity to meet a ton of amazing people and great talent. So, yeah, just kind of being able to, you know, work behind the scenes and get a good idea of what everything is like has been really fascinating and awesome for me, for sure. Okay, so don't bury the lead. Tell us about the show. Uh, and tell us about some of the experiences. Like, what what is it like? I mean, we've never really talked about this on the show, but when you got to go find people to come on a show, how do you find them? How do you do your prep? What's your prep like? Um, you know, obviously, we do no prep with this show, so we could just kind of wing it as we go along, which is okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, what is that like from the content creation side or the ideation side, from, from the minute you come up with an idea of who it is to when that actually happens in, you know, a spoken word or a video conversation? Absolutely. So the name of the show is called The Hoop Chat. It's hosted by a broadcaster uh, named Emily Austin. She does a ton of stuff outside of sports, but uh, primarily that's what her focus is on on this show. And, um, you know, she's very well connected in the industry. She started doing this about a few years ago and she's been able to make some great connections. And, you know, by leveraging her network, she's been able to get on a ton of athletes. Um, I guess to name a few, we've had Metal World Peace, Grant Williams, Muggsy Bogues, um, Ronnie 2K, the face of NBA 2K was on the show. So mm -hmm. we've been able to work with a lot of amazing people. And in terms of outreach, it's mostly her that kind of works behind the scenes and gets everyone on the show. But as soon as she knows who's coming on what day, I'm pretty much manhandling, manhandling all that stuff. So I guess to start, like, you just have to research, do as much as you possibly can to understand the story of these people, because obviously we know them for basketball and what they do within the world of athletics, but they're more than that. You know, they have stories, they have, you know, journeys that, you know, span over their whole lives and made them who they are today. So kind of being able to get a good understanding of what makes those people who they are and what makes them tick, and then being able to kind of brainstorm and ideate questions that come as a result of what their stories are. And then I guess everything just kind of takes care of itself from there. Like, me personally, once I'm writing an episode for someone or once I'm writing questions for someone, once I have an idea of what their interests are, or I have an idea of what, you know, they're passionate about, I kind of like to cater all the content towards that. So, for example, we had um, Davion Mitchell come in the show not too long ago, and I know that he has a big passion for shoes and a little bit of video games. So I was able to kind of come up with some segments that aligned his passions with that, too. So it, it's a lot of fun just kind of being able to think of different ways to get athletes to speak to their passions and obviously what goes on in their lives as well on the court. But, you know, just kind of being able to write questions that open up a different side of them and get them to express who they are and their true and true self. Yeah, I guess my question to follow up with that is, you know, people talk about storytelling. Where did that passion come from? And like, where did that develop? Did it develop at NYU? Did it develop before then? Talk a little bit about kind of the storytelling passion. For sure. So I, I think I've always just had a love for storytelling. I think when I was younger, I didn't necessarily know how to put a name to it. Like, oh, I love stories and the process of telling them. But like I mentioned before, like growing up, I've always been so obsessed with sports media. And to this day, it's kind of like the majority of what I consume. So I, I've always just had a deep, deep love for that. And I guess like in high school, I was on the football team, but I know my senior year, we had the chance to take some electives and I saw sports journalism was a new program at my high school. I got into it and, you know, just kind of being able to write different articles. And it was more so like a hobby for me at the time. It was just like, okay, like I'm getting this elective done. But after doing it over some time and, you know, kind of being able to see what goes on behind the scenes, I've really started to develop a strong passion for it. So at NYU, I didn't have as much of a chance to do like, I guess that exactly because of COVID. And, you know, I just think things didn't align to where 
I can really, I guess, hone in on that passion. But I knew as soon as I got out of there, like, that's what I wanted to do. So it just so happened that everything aligned to where I could write with Emily and, you know, a friend of a friend had referred me to her and I had been able to speak with her, work with her on prior projects before that show. And I guess everything just evolved in that way. So I guess it's more so just luck and chance that kind of led me to this opportunity, but, you know, also having a deep love, a deep passion for it and being prepared for when the opportunity came. So yeah, it's pretty much everything that went into that. Christian, talk a little bit about the tools in the toolbox. Um, you know, you said that, you know, you started to do stuff in high school, which was what, uh, six years ago, seven, eight years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the tools that, that are now available and, you know, frankly, even, you know, using a, a platform like Zoom, which not a lot of people knew about really before the pandemic started and now is, you know, kind of wrote where, where people understand. If you say, I'm doing a Zoom call, nobody looks at you like, what are you doing where? Um, so, so talk about the tools that are used, how they've evolved, the tools that you like to use. Give us an example of, you know, two or three things that you use that are either on a mobile device, you've been able to download, that both make the, the task of storytelling easier today, and then the, the, you know, the job of amplification better. For sure. So I can speak for myself, not necessarily the show with Emily, because I know that she has a production team that kind of works on everything on that end. But when it comes to, I guess, how I do content creation myself, I've realized that there are so many, like you mentioned before, so many different tools that are at everyone's disposal that if they really just like took, I guess, like 20 minutes to dive into like, how can I do this myself? You'd be able to find so many different things. So I guess myself personally, like, I think my best friend in terms of editing has been CapCut. It's on mobile, but I know they, they they just launched a Mac device. I think it might be on Windows too, but I'm not the savviest computer editor in terms of like content. I tried learning Adobe Premiere and it was like a whole other language to me. So I use CapCut mostly and it just simplified dumb everything down for me. And I was still able to come out with great, great products. So um, just being able to add overlays to things, being able to add background tracks, being able to cut different segments and even like enhance the audio a little bit to some degree. Like I think that's been by far my favorite product to use so far. Outside of that, like you said, Zoom is so easy and it's very, it's like it gets so many things done. You're able to kind of have these conversations in real time. There's really no disruption of audio in terms of the quality or the frequency or timing. So that's definitely a great part too. And then I think the, the Spotify podcaster app, I think it, it was owned by someone else, but Spotify had purchased it and they made it their own. But in terms of being able to distribute it and being able to, you know, have everything shot out in one, one go, I think that's been an amazing tool as well. So there are so many different tools that, you know, are at the, at the disposal of anyone who really wants to enter into the space. Um, it's just being a matter, it's a matter of finding what exactly you like, what works for you and what, is best for you to execute with. How, how do you find stories? I mean, so, so let's say, you know, you were an undergraduate wandering around Washington Square Park or going to Madison Square Garden or watching, you know, listening to Barstool or, or finding something uh, or now wandering around the Upper West Side of Manhattan, you know, going into the gym or talking to your classmates. Uh, how, do you, how do you figure out uh, in your mind given the fact that, you know, we are so often time challenged, how do you cut through the clutter to say what's a good story and what makes a good story for you as a content? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. So 
I think honestly, if you really wanted to, you could make anything a good story, just as long as you're able to word it and segment it and, you know, categorize everything in the right way. So like an example that you had just used, like going like on a walk from say an apartment to like the gym, if you're able to kind of, you know, get into like what makes people feel something and tap into like that relatability aspect of, you know, maybe going on that trip, maybe it's a rainy day and where maybe you had a rough morning and it's like, Oh my gosh, like I, I really don't want to go to the gym today. And I feel like that's something that everybody, you know, has felt at one point, just kind of being able to hone into those relatable, like relatable aspects and, you know, being able to tap into the emotional aspect. I think that's so important when it comes to storytelling. And when I, when I write show, uh, episodes for the shows or when I write questions, I, obviously want to think of like what the audience would want to hear, but also I want to be able to write questions that gets whoever to answer them to really tap into like a part of their brain or maybe something that they never really thought about in a long time, you know, um, just kind of being able to ask different questions that open up different parts of people. And, you know, I think when it comes to athletes specifically, they kind of hear the same questions like very, very often as it comes to like their game or what it is that they're doing to improve or what they thought of their last performance and all of these different things. So that can become mundane to them after some point. Mm -hmm. But I think once you're able to kind of like expand that, like expand those horizons and to into like so what made you fall in love with basketball or i saw that you started working with so and so at a young age like what was the process of that like and how did that lead you to where you are today or even something like a small story like uh for example we had chris brickley on the hoop chat and he's uh i think he's one of like the most popular trainers for nba players and you know after researching i saw that he had like appeared in a movie in China at some point when he was like a little kid. And I, I had asked him about that. And he was like, I literally don't think I've been asked that in so long. And he didn't even remember the name of the movie, but he remembered everything about going to China and what that process was like of being on the set. And, you know, it, it was just so interesting to see so many different parts of people and asking them questions that you think that they may have not heard before and just getting them to open up about themselves and their personal story. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, again, like, growing yourself with this exposure because you're around guys like Meta World Peace where that episode was obviously in the New York Post and Sports Illustrated. Talk about like growing yourself and your brand and your experiences throughout interviewing these players and creating these shows. For sure. So I definitely think that when it comes to growth in, in like, I guess a landscape like this, a lot of it just comes down to trial and error and being able to experience it yourself. So I never really had the opportunity to be like on camera or, you know, do anything when it comes to like broadcasting or talent uh, per se. But I know like through writing, that's kind of been my biggest asset. And it's kind of been the thing that helps me grow the most because that directly translates into how I speak, how I convey what it is that I want to say and, you know, deliver my message. So yeah, um, when it comes to working with athletes, I will say like in the beginning, there is like a little starstruck factor that you have to just get past because you're like, oh my gosh, I see these people on TV. Like I have to kind of play it cool. And I guess the person I am, like I never really was the type of person to be like, oh my God, oh my God. So I guess that definitely helped me in some capacity. But yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error and just being able to see like um, where I could have improved. I'm definitely like a detail-oriented person and I'm kind of like a borderline perfectionist so if I watch something over I watch an episode over and I don't like the way a question is worded I'll definitely take that with me going forward and see how I can try to orient that a little bit better going forward or maybe there's something that I just wrote wrong and I just you know I have to pound into myself like okay like I know that like 
there's so much that goes in, goes at stake when it comes to asking these player questions. Like, for example, we had Danny Green on not too long ago, and this was when he was a free agent. And so funny because he just got waived at like 3 a.m. the other day, which blew my mind after he went to Philadelphia. But this was before he had signed with Philadelphia, and he was on the Cavaliers last season, and I had wrote that he was still with the Cavaliers. Emily asked him a question pertaining to like, what's it like to be with the Cavs? And he was like, I'm not there anymore. So it's just like kind of having those moments where you can be like, oh my gosh, like I messed up. How do I improve and how do I get better? Like you have to be able to not get too high when you have great moments, not get too low. And always just think of ways where you can improve whatever skills you have and, you know, just tap into that the next time you go about doing whatever it is that you have to do. So uh, you touched on two things just now. You touched on, watching and you touched on writing mm. your creative process is what where does it start does it start with written word and and when you write where is it that you're writing do you journal do you use um a notes based cloud system uh how do you do that and then what what does it look like for sure so i i think you kind of hit the nail on the head i think for me like the two aspects or the two traits that i have that really helped me dive into being creative are watching and writing. But I will say when it comes to starting the process, watching, I'm very observant and I like picking up on details and maybe trying to like see parts or areas where it may not, where it may, everyone may not notice it at first. Like I'm trying to be very observant. So kind of going into watching, picking up details, being very observant and then tapping into that writing. I think I, my best friend is my notes app. So every idea I have, like I'm kind of disorganized, but I'll have so many different notes files. And if I think of something, even if it's not on this, like a same topic, I'll just jot whatever I have down in there. Like as soon as I have ideas, the first thing I do is go into my notes file. And then I just like to let some time sit. I know when it comes to like trying to write different things and trying to be creative or even brainstorming new segments, it can get kind of challenging to after I guess a certain amount of episodes, try to keep things fresh, keep things new. But um, after I kind of write down everything in terms of like a research aspect and like a detail aspect, I just let some time sit by. And a lot of times I'll just have ideas pop into my head. So that, that's kind of like my best friend, just um, writing everything down, having an idea of like the direction I want to go in and then just giving myself some space so that I can let my brain do some of the work and then figure out how I can execute that idea to the best capacity. Okay. Uh, touch on off of that, um, the, the best examples of people that you follow. Um, we'll talk about athletes in a couple of minutes, but like from, from a storytelling standpoint, who, who are the, are they authors? Are they screenwriters? Are they TikTokers uh, that you look at and, and give us a couple examples of who they are and what they do well? What are the best practices that you see? For sure. So I think a personal favorite of mine is Rich Eisen. I know he has his own show on the Roku network and he does a lot of work for NFL network. I'm a big football fan. So that's kind of where that comes from. But I just think the way that Rich is able to word certain things and how his tone and delivery is on point every time he has a story to tell, there can be the most boring story or it could be the off season where, you know, news and everything is the driest, but he'll be able to like explore different ideas, convey the messages and deliver them in such a fashion to where I will be intrigued every minute of the two hour episode. And I want to know like everything after that too. Like, I just feel like your delivery and tone is so important when it comes to like delivering a message, being able to express your feelings. Um, and I think he does a very, very good job at that. And then another person like as crazy as it is to say, Stephen A. Smith, 
I know on this, like on the camera on ESPN, he's very, very animated, but, and I, I do take a lot of what he says with a grain of salt. So I'll put that there too. But I do think being able to tap into the emotional side and being able to bring life to what it is that you're saying, whether you believe it or not, um, is so important because that's how you get other people to feel what it is that you're feeling or trying to make them feel. Um, just being able to know how to structure a story, being able to execute it the right way. I think he does a very phenomenal job at it, even though I do think he exaggerates a good amount of what he says. And if you listen to podcasts of him off camera, off ESPN, you'll see that he's kind of like a different person. Like it's very much like an act, but I do think that he knows how to, you know, go in fully, like fully invest himself in that act. And he'll be saying the most outlandish things, but if he, if you're just tuning in, I'm sure that you would be able to have at least an understanding of where he's coming from, or at least believe it in some capacity. So I think those two are definitely like my favorite that I like to, you know, go back to for sure. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You didn't say like Herman Melville or, you know, um, <laughs> Warren Buffett, but um, so, so flipping over to athletes, um, the athletes. And again, I, it, it, you know, it would be great if they weren't LeBron or Steph Curry, but, um, or even not even basketball players, and and you know especially incorporating how big women's sport uh, storytelling is now. The athletes you think who now have a have a platform that's worthwhile following, and why? What what is it that they do other than hawking products or or talking about a game last night? Who are the impactful people? If you could name three or four that are out there that, that you say these are the people you have to follow, and why? Uh, that's a great question. Um... I think the first one that comes to mind is Naomi Osaka. I think that she's huge in herself, but also she's able to kind of market everything she says in the most genuine capacity. Um, so I, I definitely think she's one. Um, who else? I, I, I like Jimmy Butler a lot because I feel like he kind of has like a very business oriented mind, especially when it comes to like his coffee. Um, like I, I that's a very good question. Yeah. I, I would definitely say Naomi for sure. I love, everything that she has on her social jimmy and i think i'm trying to think of one more for you guys okay well, uh, we'll come back to that in a second but okay um, an athlete that you've worked with now in terms of content creation um who are the ones where you walked away and said wow i didn't know anything about this this is what i learned mm. i would definitely say i would say mugsy bogues um mm, I, I think because I, I mean, personally, I because I'm from a much younger generation, I didn't really have the full understanding of what impact he had to the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but after doing so much research like for him and like for that episode and kind of getting an understanding of what his upbringing was like, like he he had a very rough upbringing and kind of being able to hear him speak to that and talk about a little bit of what he has in his book, because I know he came out with that not too, too long ago. But, you know, I, I was able to have a much deeper appreciation for everything that he brought to the game of basketball. And, you know, I, I feel like once you're able to kind of have a very firm understanding of why someone's impact is as strong as it was and why it transcends over a period of time, you're able to really tap into that and kind of create off of that. And whether you're able to do it in, I guess, more so non-conventional ways where you're talking about things outside of the sport or things that pertain to their life, or you're just talking about the sport itself. I think like just that was the first episode where I wrote where I was like, wow, like there's so much more to what can be told about this person's story outside of what they do on the court and more so about the impact that they may have had on other people or I guess a generation as a whole. So I would definitely say Muggsy for sure. Mm 
Ironic that you mentioned him. I was talking uh, to my buddy Harold Kaufman, who was the PR director when the Hornets were launched. I think it's 25 years ago. Maybe it's 35. No, it's 25 years ago, I think, or 35 years. But this is an anniversary. And the, the first two players taken in the expansion draft by the Hornets were Del Curry and Muggsy Bogues, guys who've had pretty big impact and also who had tremendous careers, which is something you don't normally see when you have an expansion draft like that. So, Mike, you had a question? Yeah, I think, you know, you talked a little bit about your past background being a lot in marketing. And I was saying, like, how does the your experience in marketing play over to your storytelling, media content creation that you do now? And has it helped you in some way develop more skills and be more effective doing that? That's a great question. So I definitely think that the two skills go hand in hand, the two fields, at least. In marketing, a lot of my projects had to do with being able to create a pitch or kind of brainstorm some sort of idea and kind of being able to deliver and execute on how I present that to an executive group or board. So um, my projects with Octagon, for example, we had to look at a non-luxury automotive brand and then come up with two sponsorship investments and then create a whole budget on what an activation could be, what the activation would be, the social campaign. And there's so many different things that go into that, that I guess before I had even looked at the marketing world, I just was blown away in how much goes into, you know, brainstorming and ideating and being able to be so detail oriented. So there's so many different parts of being able to one ideate, brainstorm, think of ideas that may work. And, you know, even coming back to certain things and being like, okay, maybe this isn't my best idea. What can I do better? What would work better going off of that and looking at the details of how you can execute that better. And then of course, being able to share that same message and convey that same idea to a group of people so that they're all on the same page or the same wavelength that you're on. So it's very, very similar to two processes in the two fields of being able to share an idea, get people to understand where that idea is coming from and get them to believe the same things that you believe in. So yeah, that was a great question. Um, so, so as we look to wrap up here, Christian, tell us about um, your experience so far in the program what you think you've gotten out of it. You're coming out of it, coming into it with a, a little bit of a different POV than most people. Uh, and then what's the career path that you see going forward that you've already kind of grasped? Is it behind the camera? Is it in front of the camera? Um, how does that play out? So, For sure. And I think that's an amazing question. So I, it's only been, I think now two months in the program. So I'm still very new, but I will say from the moment that I stepped on campus and got to meet with my cohort and, you know, have orientation, I've just been so blown away with how invested and how driven everyone is within this program to not only better themselves, but to better everyone around them. So that's just the first thing that comes to mind. But um, outside of that, I think the, the professors that I've been able to work with, the lessons that I've been able to learn and, you know, just everything that I've been able to pull away. Um, I think Columbia's program is so good at being able to help everyone understand every different aspect of the industry, whether or not you have some sort of understanding of it beforehand or whether you're totally new to the idea itself. Um, the professors are so good at sharing and teaching what it is that they want to have students understand. And I can say like my favorite class so far, without a doubt, has been the inner workings of the NFL with Mike Tannenbaum and Kevin Abrams. And, you know, those are two people who I didn't even know were part of the program, but being in their class, like they have such a 
solid and foundational understanding of what it is that they're teaching, but they're also able to deliver it in such a way where it's digestible by like everyone in the class and it's enjoyable. So I've been able to work with those two. I think Grant's son is an amazing professor. Um, I'm in his marketing class and, you know, he, he thinks of things that I don't think anyone would have thought of at first glance. He has such a deep understanding of the different techniques um, in marketing and, you know, just being able to look at different partnership sponsorships um, and yeah, so I, I don't know. I've been blown away with everything with the program. I've had such an amazing time so far. And yeah, my biggest takeaways are just like being able to be a sponge, soak up as much knowledge as you possibly can. And, you know, just being able to connect with others um, as much as possible. I think that's so much of what makes this experience so special. Um, you know, talking with others, learning where they come from, what drives them, what makes them tick. And, you know, just being able to learn from the people above you and kind of understanding how they got to where they are and what are the foundational pieces that help them excel in whatever field it is that they're teaching in. So those two, and then myself personally, um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it is that I want to do definitively, but I know for a fact that like, I love sports media, whether I'm on or off the camera, I don't think it makes a difference to me because I genuinely love having a hand in whatever is being created. I like seeing a project come from an idea to a full blown, like, you know, uh, like a full blown, um, product so that, that those are definitely like my favorite areas but I also wouldn't be mad if I went back into marketing because I had a ton of fun in there and also sponsorships and partnerships too I had a great time coming up with ideas for different projects in those areas too so I'm an open book I love everything that I've been able to learn and you know as long as I'm able to you know tap into whatever passions I have when it comes to sports and storytelling I'll be happy no matter where it takes me cool and lastly um where can people find you all right. Awesome. So people could definitely find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, all under the same name, Chris Mullings. I have three L's in the name instead of two, even though my name is spelled with two, um, more so because someone else has that name. <laughs> but yeah, you could find me on Chris Mullings, like literally everywhere you search that it'll come up. So yeah, it's pretty much, I'm easy to find. Cool. Mike, any parting thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to say, you know, it's really cool to hear about your experience. I mean, I've gotten to know Chris for a little bit now, just being in, in some classes um, and just some programs together. So obviously it's cool to hear a little bit about just kind of the different backgrounds you went through and not just about the 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 show you do now, but I think the different things you've done in the past with marketing and how that's played over your storytelling experience. So, you know, I really enjoyed kind of listening to that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, once again, you've been listening to The Cusp Show with Chris Mullings using three L's on his social handles, but spelled only with two in real life. Uh, <laughs> descendant of Alexander Hamilton, which I think will be my takeaway from this, uh, of I had no idea, and I'm glad I brought up uh, good old A-Ham uh, today. Um, and again, uh, Chris is a content creator in our program right now, is doing some really interesting things with uh, helping bring to light a lot of different stories, especially tied to basketball. Uh, Chris, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, again, I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Mike Shredder today, pinch hitting for our regular co-host, Tom Richardson. You've been listening to The Cusp Show from Columbia University, and we will see you down the road.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.